You're listening to the Games Industry Doppers podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I'm joined by Jeffrey Russo and Brendan Sinclair. We're going to be talking about the past week's worth of uh, summer showcases and games announcements and what would have been E3 but is not E3 and no one can come up with a shorthand for it so we're not even going to try. I think it's safe to say this has been a somewhat underwhelming week. There hasn't been the level of hype and attention you usually expect after an E3 or E3 equivalent. We kind of knew that to begin with. We, We were talking about this on the previous episode of the podcast about how shock reveals aren't quite the way that the industry announces things nowadays, that the that concentrating all these announcements in one week doesn't necessarily serve the purposes of the, of the industry as it stands today. But I still want to kind of um, reflect on what we saw, reflect on how it went, um, and discuss like what perhaps why it was so underwhelming beyond there was nothing... I mean, that's a factor. It's like there was no huge, wow, this is the big game that everyone's talking about. But I feel like there's more. Like there's more... There was a lot of, technically there were a lot of games on show, but there wasn't as much hype or excitement this time around, and I want to dive into why that is. So I think part of it is that, um, personally, uh, we've all seen this show happen enough times that we're kind of desensitized to it. <laughs> I think I think mm. we're, we're hitting diminishing returns on a lot of this stuff. I mean, we, we've seen... You know, an indie game like No Man's Sky pushed the scope of content creation to obscene limits. So just throwing more at something, uh, it, I don't think it has the same kind of oomph that, that it used to. Um, we've We've got, you know, it feels like 10 to 20 maybe kind of paradigms for AAA titles that they that they will slot into and in some years we have um a whole bunch of developers that just happen to be hitting on one of those paradigms at the same time like space horror this year Mm. and and that kind of makes that those games feel a little less special or a little a little more tiresome uh the next generation of of hardware is producing stuff that i mean some of it i look at and say okay that that wouldn't have been possible on a ps4 xbox one but it doesn't strike me as being so far you know beyond what those systems were capable of that i'm like oh yeah this is clearly we needed a new generation in order to enable this completely different gameplay experience it's mostly just you know it's what you had before, but it's it's a little bit prettier now, or there might be a little wrinkle, and and that's that's part of it too. Is that you know with with the AAA game budgets, there's not as much appetite for you know for risk for for doing something that's truly unproven and and the kind of thing that will really knock people on their butts, and I think that lends us to lean more on. IP, you know, a, a known franchise, a brand, in order to get people excited. And coming into this show, we kind of knew all the brands that people were getting excited about, you know. Uh, RE4 remake and Street Fighter 6 had been announced, Starfield had been announced. If that had if that was brand new for this show, maybe that would have made a a bigger splash. I mean, it already was kind of like the the big headline game of the show in in my view 
Um, but I still feel like people walked away going, oh, okay, yeah, I get, I get it. Fallout in space, yeah, we knew this was coming. Um, I feel like Starfield was the big game by default. Almost, yeah, because because Microsoft was the only first party that did a big showcase, and that's what it chose to end on, and that's what it gave most attention to over the course of its show. Because it's the one that most people are already anticipating. Like, it, yeah, it kind of feels like it was, and and as you say, it's exactly what we expected. It's um the the, the phrase I love seeing people use is it's No Man's Skyrim, which is just brilliant. Um. Like yeah, it's exactly what you expect, which in a, in a in a way is a good thing. It's it's what you want. You want. I think people would have been disappointed if Starfield was something completely radical and different, because people want a Bethesda spirit experience, but in space. But to be fair, to be fair, I will say I was definitely surprised by one thing about Starfield, and uh, that was how much it looked like Call of Duty, like yeah. like that that one <laughs> interior shooting scene. I'm like. Okay, so your big new innovation is that you're making it look like every first-person shooter from you know, the past decade. That great, thank you, wonderful. But to be fair, after after the, I know some people like Fallout's combat, but like Fallout shooting can be so frustrating, and Elder Scrolls combat can be so janky. To see it actually, oh okay, this is a simple you shoot it and it dies kind of combat system, like it makes it look a bit more accessible to me, but. Yeah, yeah. Starfield was the big one almost by default, but it it just didn't get people talking quite the same way. And I think I think people have. Uh, it feels like people are, are, are a lot kind of quicker to criticise and harsh and and be harsh than in previous years. And, and maybe that's just kind of my lens on the world or or how just the sentiment is. But I'm I'm thinking things like you know the, we've seen the the side by side comparisons that have been going out like the shows um. Uh, comparisons between Starfield and No Man's Sky, and someone on the team might have been you, Brendan. Apologies, like I said, um, pointed out, like you know, they're comparing Starfield, a game that isn't finished development and isn't out yet, to a game that's had five years, probably more, of uh, development and updates and improvements. If you'd have compared, if you'd have compared Starfield to how No Man's Sky was at launch, I think Starfield would have fared better. But I don't, it looks good; it just lacks imagination. Like the, you were looking at it, it's like it, it didn't look too different from the likes of No Man's Sky, the likes of um, Elite Dangerous, you know, these kind of ex, you know, universe exploring sci fi games where, oh, yes, you can build an outpost and you've got to scavenge materials and you've got to shoot space pirates. So, like, it didn't look like it was bringing anything too new to the table. And as you said at the top, Brendan, like, um, going about how people just trying to do bigger, better, more. Like, the the claim that there's over a thousand planets in Starfield, like, that's too much. There is there is no way that over a thousand planets are going to have something unique and interesting and compelling on all of them. What you're more likely to get is, you think, like, the size of the planets in um, Outer Worlds, that times a thousand. Like, you know, like a thousand of those. A thousand mini Bethesda maps. Well... I mean, they say you'll be able to land anywhere on the planet. And if they're, you know, doing something procedurally, uh, which I assume they are, to, to Must be, fill yeah. out these planets, then, like, yes, that can be, that could be cool. But, I mean, it's completely dependent on how you're procedurally generating them. And they may be generating them in a way that actually, you know, leads to a lot of just kind of really cool environments to explore or not but i mean either way having a thousand of them 
is not really relevant. It's like you, you, you've got enough to, um, you know, assure people that they're not just going to like hit the, the end of the content in, in five hours or whatever. Sure. But after that point, it, it, the quantity doesn't, doesn't matter. It's, it's just such like a, a old, you know, back of the box bullet point yeah. way of thinking about this. There are there are probably over a thousand caves in Skyrim. Has everyone been to every cave? Was it worth it? Were the caves different? I don't know. <laughs> um, I just think about the fact that you know while while watching not not E three and I'm just I'm not really a good gauge for what what people necessarily thought online, but what I think about is that every time if you're just going into this. And wondering what's the quote unquote new and exciting thing I can look forward to. I I think about how that expectation has like more than likely changed a lot for, for different folks because we just spoke about how during the fest, I don't know how many larger profile survival uh space survival horror games we saw. If you would have told me it was two thousand and eight, I think that's the year that, uh, wherein Dead Space One came out. I would have been like, yeah, sure, that's what I'm watching right now when I saw this, <laughs> right? But but yeah. no, that's not the case. It, it's literally like different studios just taking an idea. And, and the thing the thing I always think about with games is that I understand that the decisions that the developers make are either based on what their investors say or whatever the numbers rolled out that it came to. But like when you have multiple games starring a a a cishet white man who's really going through hell in a space station it's like i get it it's spooky it's scary but multiple games of that's coming down the pipeline you gotta step back and ask yourself okay but um why (laughs) i i you know that was one of the questions i was asking myself i was watching uh i was watching this and then and going back to Brendan's point and and a larger point we talked about in, in in past um conversations it's these brands and, and, and what they are and how willing they are to, I guess, shake things up or, or do something different. You know, I look at Call of Duty and from what I, I understand as a, you know, outside observer, the latest title that's coming out is kind of like a quote unquote all-star roster of these characters that, you know, fans like. And I'm like, okay, but even amongst them, you know, there, there, there are characters who are, you know, who are black, who are brown. I'm like, okay, you're doing something here. <laughs> but I, I don't know what was going on with AAA development. But um, I would be remiss to say that I don't really pay attention to that. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, my radar is not really for that because I know where to look for it. That's why I'm watching, like, the Guerrilla Collective, for example, or the Wholesome Game mm. Direct. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see where the developers who... I don't know if the word risk is the right word, but the developers who are just um, able to make the kind of games that they want are the ones that I want, are, are the games that I'm, I'm looking forward to. Games like, um, it's escaping me right now. Um, uh, uh, Frogan, for example, that for example, that's a game that that uh, took the concept of, you know, platformers that, that we've all seen that we go up like you'll look at it and that's a very specific like design choice that like harkens back to your childhood depending upon how old you are. Uh and yet the developer uses a gun but it's used in a comical fashion, right? You know, something like that. Like 
would would a triple a developer really think about that i don't know but you know i look at games like that i look at games um on on the triple a side you know we have redfall which looks like a different kind of bethesda game but you know we've seen that before squad you know zombies well monsters vampires i forget will that be different um who's to say because we've we've just seen that that model has been so profitable for games now you know why wouldn't someone want to create something like that you know the best that they can do that they're doing with redfall is that they're giving us you know in my a more diverse cast because if you were watching the gameplay they were leading with um with layla the um black uh sorceress i believe i don't know if she's a leader i'm assuming that she is based off that which would be totally cool. But, um, you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, that looks cool. Um, and I'm also thinking about, you know, how we saw Flintlock, that adventure game, which also stars, um, you know, a black woman and in this fantasy setting. And I'm thinking, why is it that we still see this and we're counting on one hand for these kind of things? But when you go over to, like, the indie development side or what have you, you know, they're, they're still the ones leading the charge when it comes to that. And I and I always think about these things as I'm watching this, and, and I'm thinking about why am I not excited for AAA games. But, again, it all comes down to business. I and mean, business still says that, hey, you know, um, we're going to give you these characters and games starring these characters who still look samey, samey in terms of genre, samey in terms of... I know everyone has seen that infamous uh, post where of video game leads where they're all the same dirty-year-old, grizzly, uh, white guy, and we're, we're still not that far away removed from that. You know, I, I think about all this when I'm, when I'm watching these, these trailers, and I think um, the, the goalpost, or rather the, the decisions to make games not be that, I don't know where that is because I know it's different for a lot of companies, and it's hard for me to get excited for what still looks like <laughs> the last 15, 20 years. You know what I mean? In, in that sense. Um, yeah, but AAA has always been about, you know, yeah. the last 15, 20 years or whatever. Well, I, I, I guess, you know, you go back to the, like, N64 generation or something and... and maybe the the bets were still low enough that you'd occasionally get something that's really outside the box but i i I mean there's there's a certain like amount of just default thinking you know that goes into triple a games it's like okay well we're gonna have combat you know we're, we're gonna have oh if it's first person like okay well we need our our pistol or assault rifle or shotgun you know, even even if it's like a fantasy kind of setting, we we still need things to kind of fit into these, you know, these models that everyone already has when they come to the when they come to the game, so that we don't have to retrain them on anything. And there's like an appetite for like, okay, well here's our here's our unique little you know, our gravity gun, our grappling hook, our you know, uh, enemy with a unusual gameplay behavior, things like that. But every every bit of like deviation away from that seems to be adding a certain amount of risk that there's not that much appetite for. And that includes, you know, deviation from that with your protagonist. It's it's just been, you know, the, the, the gruff 30 something white dude was the, the default for so long that any, any kind of switch from like what people are used to is, is kind of a, a threat to mass market appeal or is seen as such. 
and and so it's like well is it is it worth it for us to you know put someone new in the in the protagonist slot and then possibly alienate a whole bunch of people who are you know say oh they're woke now or whatever or do we keep the same you know generic dude in the in the slot and deal with what eye rolls from from people who who want something different but you know you can't it's hard to like zero in on any one triple a game and say oh my gosh they use just a generic white dude as their protagonist when you know the entire reason there is that complaint is that so many of them might use generic white dude um it's it's a problem but you know triple a has been has been stealing from indies for quite a while um it's kind of a a tradition of of you know like seeing seeing something that works out on a smaller scale and then saying okay well that's a proof of concept and then we can kind of that seems like a safe idea for us to to blow up and and you know throw the production values at and make really shiny so i i've i think this is getting better certainly better than it was in the mid 2000s when we seem to be at like peak grizzled white dude um but it's it's slow and and hopefully uh it's it's progressing in the right direction one thing i am enjoying seeing is very very occasionally you do see a triple a studio have a small team put together something smaller and indie style and i think we i'd love to see more of that i've seen a few people say on like on social media that they want to see more more triple a studios setting smaller teams apart to just see what they can in, in you know uh, experiment with and come up with the thing that brought this up to mind was um pentiment by obsidian I think we all sat there watching that trailer, you know, uh, point-and-click narrative adventure, all done in the style of medieval tapestries, and thinking, okay, this looks really cool. This looks like a really cool indie game. And it was only at the end of the trailer when the Obsidian logo comes up. It's like, oh, no, this is one done by a larger studio. This is like, I'd love to see more of that. More studios saying, right, we've got 400 people on Shooty Shooty Bang Bang 24. Let's put 10 people on something different, something like, let's see what, see what a group of 10 people can come up with that's different. And it might not change the course of the studio. It might not necessarily come up with ideas that then influence Shooty Shooty Bang Bang number 25, but it will just provide something different, some variety from these larger studios. Because indie games, like you know, as both of you have said, like in, indie games is where the innovation is coming. Like most of the games that I saw and that I, I you know, people we've been talking to Including members of the team, most of the games that people are excited uh, people are excited about are the ones from indies. Like, oh, you know, my highlights of the show were uh, the Plucky Squire, which was that brilliant game from All Possible Futures. Like, so two D storybook style platformer where the characters jump up and then are running around like a three D environment because it's on the on the desk and there's lots of homages to old old retro style of games. That looks amazing. Um, tapping massively into nostalgia nostalgia but agent 64 which is basically a goldeneye homage looks brilliant like these are games that triple a aren't making that are getting people talking and i and you see a lot of this across the media because i think i think a lot of the games media are journalists who are very jaded about the triple a game space because it just doesn't excite them anymore because we're all getting older we're all getting that bit um 
it's not for us. It's not for us, exactly. It's not for us anymore. You know, five space horror games that are basically Dead Space while we're still waiting for a Dead Space remake. Like, we're not the audience for that. Like, so it's encouraging to see some things that we are the audience for, but it's not a lot of them. So you're talking about uh, more AAAs doing this, and, and that's actually something that, like, Ubisoft was, was doing this quite a while ago. Valiant Hearts and Child of Light were deliberate attempts for you know this giant triple a company to like set off smaller teams and you know let them do what they want and experiment and i think those worked out really well valiant hearts was like my personal game of the year or whatever for what 2014 2013 whenever it came out and i've, I've always thought that that's something that that triple a publishers i've been surprised that they don't do it more often because it's it's not just like the gaming press that's getting burned out on seeing you know generic AAA shooter number twenty nine. The people that work on these games, they're getting burnt out too. You know they just get tired of of making the same old same old kind of thing. Not all of them, but a, a lot of them do. And and since development talent is in such high demand, especially the the senior talent that you know leads projects. Uh, it seems like it would be in the publisher's interests to, you know, set aside a certain certain amount of the budget to, to fund, you know, passion projects from from the the development talent that it really wants to, to lean on in, in the future. Because we, we've seen how many, you know, really talented indies have produced breakthrough hits and, you know, they come from a triple A background. And they they specifically left because they couldn't do something that that they were passionate about that they wanted to do. It's it just seems um, short sighted to to spend so much money bringing together and training and investing in the experience that these developers get on these huge projects, and then to drive them away because you only let them work on that kind of huge project i mean it's you know it's 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 a creative business and and you're not you're not going to keep anyone you know like you're you're not going to keep everyone forever that just doesn't happen but you can still do more to make sure that that when you you know identify this tremendous talent that you're not driving them away so that they have their you know breakthrough success somewhere else yeah maybe they work on assassin's creed for for a game or two and then you put them on to something like a child of light or valiant hearts and then they can come back and you know do more triple a stuff once their batteries are recharged and and that also just kind of it's an investment in the brand too right like like it, it was it was nice and to see the Ubisoft brand associated with uh, more like ambitious and artistic projects beyond just the you know that that open world formula that they've become so known for, and you saw Sony do this too with the the kind of the heyday of of uh, PlayStation experimentation and and the PS3 era. I would say is they they wound up funding a lot of like just really cool little bets that even if a lot of them were externally developed um they they gave they gave the platform a personality 
and and a brand that Microsoft didn't have. You know, the, the things like uh, Journey and The Last Guy and um, Unfinished Swan and and Tokyo Tokyo Jungle, uh, just like really really cool smaller bets that that gave gave them some personality and and a lot. I, I imagine most of those actually made their money back. Um, but the, the kind of the, the reputational bonus and then also, you know, for, for AAA publishers, having, having happy developers, creatively fulfilled developers, seems like it would also be, you know, hard to put a dollar figure on, but, but ultimately worth it. I think you really felt it this year, like the fact that because you you're right, Ubisoft used to go bigger on this in terms of like trying the you know, the more experimental stuff. But even in recent years, when they're leaning so heavily into the uh, Ubisoft the game open world formula, like you'd still get something quirky. You'd still get one thing that was a bit different, and then you know a dancing panda for Just Dance. You'd get something different at these presentations, and then obviously Nintendo Direct would always have a good variety. And the fact that Ubisoft and Nintendo haven't been present this year. Like I, I, not saying that the whole thing falls apart without those two companies specifically, but like you, you can feel the absence of that that different, creative, more family friendly element. And and we're talking about this, and I'm I'm guessing a lot of people listening are just absolutely um, furious right now because we're 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 downplaying, you know, like oh EA or Ubisoft had one indie scale creative project when you know if you go to our all the announcements thing and look scroll through. Um, like Guerrilla Collective, uh, Wholesome Games Showcase. Uh, th- there, the, there were just a ton, a ton of games announced, and you know most of them indie games, mm. and and shown off in the last week. Like we are, we are drowning in variety, in creativity, in like really, you know brave and ambitious new takes on every possible genre you could want but we're still sitting here the three of us complaining about triple a i would like to i was true i would like to add a good number of those indie games are going to be releasing before the summer is done in case anyone's wondering please visit our article go ahead yeah so 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 we're we're overly focused on on AAA here, and we're complaining about all this stuff, which is really kind of a solved problem. If all you want is like you know new and creative games, there's there's lots and lots and lots of those, which which all comes back to that same old problem of well, okay, it's it's a marketing issue, and how do you get these new and creative games uh, in front of everyone and increase awareness of them and get people talking about them? Because mm. we're we're devoting more time to you know he wow what a really uninspiring space horror game that studio is doing in instead of you know focusing on the actual good stuff and and that's that's a problem um you know it's 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 a problem with the press it's it's a problem uh with you know human beings containing multitudes and everything because as much as we complain like an over reliance on on brands and sequels and stuff like that like we still get seem to get most excited about you know the big brands and the the big sequels of the stuff that we love and we know we love and we just want more of what we love so i'm i'm not entirely sure 
how to to fix that problem in in a way that you know people will will pay attention to in a way that that helps improve everything but it's 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 worth you know being conscious of of the way uh each of us is also kind of shaping the conversations uh, yeah. around this and and keeping no, that, things from getting better no that's true and, and it is it is great and like i am thankful every year like the last few years particularly since the the pandemic we've seen more of these digital showcases for indie games so guerrilla collective and wholesome direct being two big ones like those have been brilliant and you think you know, you look back five certainly ten years and those sort of games didn't even have a hope in hell of being noticed during E3 because they weren't fo- featured in any of the big AAA showcases. Those indie showcases didn't even exist. So the fact that these little independently run, you know, uh, presentations of all these all this, these great games that indies are working on, um, the fact that those are there are you know, are brilliant. Like the fact that those exist is fantastic, and that alone, as you say, is like is kind of helping the problem. I almost wish there was kind of an an indie E three because I think I think the our job requires that we pay as much attention to the AAA, you know, at least as much attention to AAA as indie, if not more attention to AAA, purely because again, this is you know, like like you said, like this is what everyone seems to focus on, like the you know, the gamers and the business, like AAA tends to be it tends to draw the attract the most attention it makes the most noise i'd love it if like these these um showcases were kind of separated from e3 and there was like an indie 3 style games week where it was like guerrilla collective wholesome direct and people were just talking about those games i wonder if that would be a way out because i just the energy of covering the number of digital showcases that have been going on this week so like obviously we've we covered Summer Game Fest. We covered okay. I I personally sat up to watch um, Summer Game Fest Xbox. Uh, I think I tried to catch one of the indie ones, but like the nature of like how much work you've got to do, and then fitting all these conferences around your actual life. I missed Wholesome Direct. I want to go back and watch it. I missed Guerrilla Collective. I want to go back and watch it. But in terms of when it was actually happening, I was too busy working on other things or dealing with non-work life. Like so. They're there, but they're kind of getting drowned out, which is yeah. The week is still going. Like yeah, we're an hour, an hour over an hour from now. There's going to be an Assassin's Creed stream. There's going to be a Dragon's Dogma stream on Thursday. There's an extended version of Xbox soon. Like again, AAA kind of making more noise and stretching this out. I think we're now into the third week of these showcases. Um, yeah, that was a very long way of agreeing with you, Brendan. I would like to take this time to send out my um my condolences to media folks because it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work for for all of us you know during these times with, with all this coverage and yeah like you said um it when when you do watch the uh, Gorilla Collective or Wholesale Games Direct um and even also I um it's not state of play. Future, future play. I'm messing that up. Uh, PC I'll gaming get, show. Right, right, right. PC gaming show. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, and you know, I and to Brendan's point and also James's point, there is no way you're gonna watch that and tell me you haven't seen like five indie games or you go like, hmm, this looks interesting. And to James's point, it it definitely it seems that it's a detriment that they have to be a part of these so- showcases right now during this these few weeks they're gonna get drowned out it's unfortunate i think what really hurts is the lack of an in-person e3 
like if this is something that I, I wanted E3 to do for years um, is to bring back Kensha Hall and instead of, you know, charging outrageous square footage prices for booths in Kensha Hall, um, just devote it to indie game developers. And there's, you know, however many issues with, um, with, you know, who decides which ones get to get to show there, but you know, give give them all just a a very small piece of uh, turf there. Let them have a kiosk, show off their thing, and then and then the media can wander through there and see what catches their eye. Um, having attended a lot of those mix exchange uh, media indie exchange uh, events at, at E3s in in the past, those were always really helpful for me because. There, there are a few games that will that will really stand out in a massive trailer showcase event like Plucky Squire, but there's a lot of really good indie games that that don't thrive in that sort of environment, or that that may not have people cutting together the trailers that really are you know doing the best job of showcasing exactly what it is that makes an indie game really appealing because it's it's difficult in a lot of times especially if they're doing something different to get that across in in a trailer format um but being able to 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 go through them and go through a room full of these games and just play them you know just get your hands on them for a few it, it lets you it lets you find diamonds in the rough it lets you you know really kind of pick apart what's what's really good and needs a spotlight and is worth paying attention to in a way that here are 32 trailers of indie games one after the other after the other and they all have crafting mechanics or whatever um doesn't quite get across because there are i mean we we complain about triple a you know paradigms and 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 lack of innovation like there there are absolutely a lot of just kind of like standard default things in indie games as well and while they they seem to have a a taste for a broader array of art styles and everything it's still a challenge to you know kind of make them make them stand out from the rest of the indie games so it's it's uh it's a problem for them just standing out among the rest of the trailers in those shows but then also that show in a week when everyone is busy focused on like the xbox bethesda showcase and the big publisher showcases it, it just i just think that it, it benefits indie games uh a lot more when you can when you can sift through a room full of them and try the ones that you want uh this this format it doesn't it doesn't work well for them no, yeah, uh, that that's a great point because I was also thinking about what was shown during um, Glitch's Future of Play Direct as well, which is another showcase showing really interesting indie games that I watched. And I just thought, you know, if this was during any other time of the year, I think these will all get a lot more um, exposure and attention. And yeah, it's unfortunate. But to Brendan's point, I, I think that would be a great idea. I don't know how feasible or doable that may be, but I think it'd be a great idea for sure. We are quite rightly talking about uh, indie games, and we should we should be 
I'm, I'm going to next year. I'm going to make a conscious effort to talk more about indie games than uh, than than all the AAA ones, particularly if it's another underwhelming year for AAA. But I'm going to get one last dig in at uh, AAA because there was one thing that struck me it was like two of the biggest games that people were talking about. And this goes back to your point that you you made at the start, Brendan, about like you know the 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 desire to see familiar brands. Two of the biggest games announced are not just familiar brands, but familiar games. So Resident Evil 4 Remake was the opener of um, State of Play and obviously got a, a fair good showing at the Capcom show, showcase yesterday. And then the one big thing at the end of Summer Game Fest was The Last of Us Part 1, which is a built-from-the-ground-up remake of the 2013 original. These are games that are not only were good enough quality that they don't need remastering, it's not like one of those older games where if you brought it out today, by modern standards, it wouldn't stand up, so they've just completely remastered it, you know, they've reimagined it, like they've done with the original Resident Evils, you know, the, the, you know two and three and all that. Um, also, these are games that have been, you know, re- re-released already, and quite recently, you know, relatively recently. Resident Evil 4, re- um, there was a Resident Evil 4 remake that came out like a couple of years ago and was in VR and all that, but it was like a straight remake of the original game. And then Last of Us was remastered for PS4 very early into that generation. It's like, not only are we seeing the same brands, we're seeing literally the same games. Like, Brendan, I think you said, like, you know, people want to see see their familiar you know, familiar brands again. We want to see new stuff from their familiar brands again. Yes, we want to see new things. We want to see a different... Right? I know we only just had a Resident Evil last year, but then give it a break. You know, don't... I, yeah, it just... Well, the Resident Evil remakes are they're deviating from the original games significantly right i actually haven't played resident evil two or three remakes but my understanding is that it's it's very much a different kind of game than yeah, the original two, two, it's, two it's just kind of like here's the same plot same setting same characters but the the game itself is is not the same in the way that like the last of us remake is is to say the, the last of us one i i think is hilarious <laughs> i i think it's it is like gut bustingly funny that that naughty dog is sitting there saying like yeah this is you know we finally have the technology to fulfill our original vision of making joel look slightly different and and ellie's face is a little changed to yeah so and and i look at those those comparison shots and i'm i'm kind of like Okay, which one is the? Um, I I have had to double one? check which ones which ones are the new one. Yeah, and it's like okay, so some of it might look slightly better. That's that's great, but you know it's it's it, it seems like a whole lot of work has gone into this because you know like things like the the faces look significantly different to me. Um, and and it just seems like a whole lot of I, I can't can't imagine that paying off when it's you know when it is basically the same game and and the last one looked just great as it was and we're less than a decade removed from that and and I mean the the Last of Us PS4 remastered it made sense for it to be really successful because the PS4 had nothing at launch. It was a miserable launch lineup. 
in in my estimation and they were they were desperate for for you know new frontline stuff and and so it was kind of a similar with xbox a lot of companies were just doing like here's our our new remasters to for the first year or two of that generation and and in that sense in that context like releasing the last of us remastered made sense and like hey it sold well and, and people liked it but this is just i don't get it <laughs> I, I and the last of us is not a game that i think like begs to be replayed you know it's it's uh, a lot of narrative given driven games uh don't in the first place but then also like narrative driven games that are attempting to be really dour and punishing and miserable to play through yeah like who wants that right now (laughs) who really wants to like say oh man you know what i want to sift through the wreckage of a society that collapsed because of an infection spreading throughout the populace (laughs) everyone turned on each other in the aftermath like that's just <laughs> rough. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's anything I can say that that will, that will top that. So no, you're absolutely right. Um, any anything else we want to we want to uh, discuss before we before we wrap up? I think we've we've covered most of the the broader points. Um, it. I think um, there was a point where I was watching the uh, Xbox showcase where. I want to say this was during Forza. I could be wrong. Please correct me. Where there was a point where it got to five minutes of um, the developer speaking purely about the graphics, not the game, not the gameplay itself. And I just sat there and I thought, mm. yeah, that was that was Forza because what what made me laugh most was like they're going about like you know dynamic you know, day-night cycles, you know, real, like, really great detail. Like, the, the camera zoomed in on, like, a couple of traffic cones and blades of grass at the side of the track, and I'm like, I'm going to be driving 120 miles an hour. I'm not going to notice this. Exactly. Yeah, this graphics, I, I think the the last moment that I was really blown away by graphics was in, like, NHL 2K1 or whatever on the Dreamcast, where in the instant replay mode, you could zoom in on the puck and see, like, you know, made in canada or whatever written on the side of it in the texture and and that was i think that i was done after that and car games especially have always had great graphics they've always been the showpiece you know the the the, here's you just got your new hardware here's the thing to show it off and now doesn't it look gorgeous and and i can't for the life of me imagine what people are are getting out of you know five minutes look at the the new forza i don't know maybe i'm old and my eyes are are not working right but the old forza look great i don't i don't i don't get it okay well with sufficient amount of not getting established i think we'll wrap up there um you can find all of the announcements from the past week in a handy roundup, which I will link to in the show notes and in the article containing this podcast. You can keep up with all the follow-ups on our site because we will be certainly diving into a, certain, uh, a few games. We had a talk earlier in the week about which games we want to kind of follow up on. I think there's uh, quite a few that we'd like to learn a lot more about if we can. You can find previous episodes of this podcast on the podcasting platform of your choice and you can, as always, get more news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. 
the gi.biz podcast your your number one source for authoritative not getting it <laughs> that's what people come here for